0: Spire.
1: Welcome back to Started Now. I'm your host, Jeff Seris. This is the show where I talk to entrepreneurs to reveal the unexpected paths to entrepreneurship. Today my guest is Daniel Vassalo. Daniel has a great story from leaving Amazon to give it a go on his own, to building his credibility online and finding his business finding what he wanted to do what he wants to do and how he wants to spend his time through making small bets um we touch on all of that on credibility on small bets on um on his story and how he's actually made a couple amazingly successful info products despite never considering himself a writer or expecting to have info products be the main um The main revenue source of his business but through these small bets he really he has found his found his place for right now and he's continuing to make these bets and to see where he should where he wants to go next so without further ado my conversation with daniel vasalo what did the day hold for you so far then
0: oh nothing yet literally i just i mean it's it's noon here i woke up i played with the kids a little bit and (laughs) took a shower and i'm here (laughs) oh yeah
1: no that's perfect like i so i'm in chicago so it is Mm -hmm. uh two o'clock right now here but i mean this is pretty much the first thing i'm doing as well (laughs) i'm definitely a like afternoon evening like that's when i get my real focus time in it's just i've always Mm -hmm. been geared that way more of a night owl versus the the early riser um Same. <laughs> yeah. And it's gotta be nice too now that you can choose your own hours. You're able to well, I don't know. Actually with Amazon, was was that flexible? Yeah.
0: Well, um a little bit, but not not definitely not as much as my current arrangement. There was mm-hmm. I mean, I was um uh, it was flexible in terms of when you start your day. There wasn't obviously you have to be here by nine, but nevertheless Uh, something in the back of your head still like, you know, that's your sole attention. That's what you should be doing. Whereas now I just feel more (laughs) free that if I wanted to spend my time, my day, you know, playing with my kids, going outside, doing something else, I feel, (laughs) I don't feel guilty. I don't feel I'm letting anyone down. Right. It's just, a choice that I make <laughs> without sure. sort of having to ask anyone for permission.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the beauty of this, this life, this lifestyle because we're, really, we're yeah. crafting it exactly as we want and there isn't that um, nagging guilt because it is weird. Exactly. like Even when it is flexible with a job, isn't, there is always that like, oh, I should have been there at 8 a.m. Yeah. or I should have done this, even if people aren't, aren't looking for it. It's, it's interesting. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I just saw that you are building a house in the forest. Tell yeah. me a little bit about <laughs> that. <laughs>
0: yeah, interesting. It's um it's something that I've both me and my wife we've always wanted to do to sort of build our custom house. It was sort of probably it's our one thing that we both like sort of spending money on. You know, about uh, or many other things were quite flu but on sort of our home. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we sort of enjoy improving it. Um and uh, it's I, I to be honest i don't even remember how it happened we've been looking for land for a long time like very very casually occasionally checking zillow you know just thinking about it and i think something um just just felt like the right time right now um and basically um we're not you know it's not it's not a, it's not something that we need to rush right so it's just we're enjoying the challenge learning a lot and when it when it finishes it finishes and sort of, you know, taking like another challenge, something else to make life interesting, and hopefully, you know, the, the finished product will be something that <laughs> that we'll enjoy.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you're starting from yeah. absolute zero experience with this, then, right?
0: Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, I'm sort of, I was almost embarrassed when I was talking with the agents and with other, <laughs> because I knew absolutely nothing about wells and septic systems and sort of all the things that go into even just preparing the land. So, uh, yeah, it was just fascinating just again something to just uh, <laughs> make life interesting and uh, sometimes it's good to to start with something with absolutely zero knowledge and just get, get that experience like right? it's, it's unbelievable how much you can learn to nowadays like just from reading a few books watching youtube and online and uh, you know it's, it's quite exhilarating uh, <laughs> that we're... you know two two months ago i sort of complete blank <laughs> knowledge <laughs> yeah. and now you sort of i'm feeling comfortable with many of the things uh, mm-hmm. that i and need to do
1: <laughs> choosing a an undeveloped piece of land versus an actual spot where a home was or was already prepared yeah. i mean that's a big undertaking was that was that part of the plan, sort of like uh, it was up?
0: a bit of necessity, yeah, because I mean the, we we I think one of the constraints we had with we tried to stay in the region that we are right now, just not to disrupt uh, um too many things. You know, the kids are familiar with with the place, we have friends, we have roots. Uh, and here in the Seattle area, it's extremely competitive market. There's very little on pretty much anything that's available. Uh, that's easy to build has already been taken, right? And it's already been built. So the only remaining sites are challenging ones. That's what the architects call them, right? There's some some big nuisance. (laughs) Like in our case, the land was landlocked. There was no road access. So we had to negotiate with the neighbors. There was issues with like, there was a wetland. There was a small steam passing through it and you can't build uh, to like 100 feet uh, away from the, so it's sort of restricted. Lots of small things like this. Which meant that um, all the builders and speculators and people who wanted like an easy uh, sort of project stayed away from. <laughs> so, um, uh, we, we, so it, the search started where I was looking for easier things, like either you know a house has been there and you tear it down and you build on it, maybe keep the foundation. But basically, very quickly I realized that um, to stay within the budget. Uh, I had to sort of go after the harder (laughs) uh, sort of (laughs) challenges. (laughs) Or else I had to move outside the the radius that we've set. So that was the other option, which we tried not to, um, you know, just just to to keep the sort of familiarity at least (laughs) with the uh, Mm (laughs) area.
1: Definitely. And I love how you started an Instagram page or profile yeah. <laughs> and it's so it's just like we'll get into social media and twitter and everything but like i love how you're using instagram specifically with the focus of um just following your journey documenting what you're doing just like you're just like you started yeah. with with twitter and documenting how you're learning what people can get from it i think that's i think that's awesome like as soon as i saw that you like mm-hmm. so it was just i think i just saw just the other day you tweeted about it that you set yep. up the instagram account and yeah, it's perfect because it really it gives people a very clear vision of what to expect gives you a clear vision of what to produce and yeah i just i love it i love that approach yeah. you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it's an experiment yeah um i never used instagram before i'm liking it actually quite a lot even consuming nowadays that's it's, there's lots of if you're focused on a specific topic it's lots of interesting stuff to to see <laughs> uh-huh. um so yeah we'll see. i i sort of it's it's fun to share and we'll see where it goes mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah so I wanted to start with the concept mm-hmm. of small bets because yeah. that sort of seems to be at the core. You've talked about small bets a little bit and like at the core of what you're doing and what you are, um, how you're building your revenue, because um, mm-hmm. maybe just rewind a little bit and give the, the cliff notes of uh, Amazon to now. And then I want to dive yeah. into small bets.
0: Yeah. uh, So I think long story short, uh, I left Amazon early 2019 without a concrete sort of idea of what I was going to do next. However, vaguely uh, in my head, like I had uh, a list of preferences. For example, I wanted to, uh, my first preference was to start a software as a service business. It's sort of, I felt like that was the, what I would enjoy doing most and what was likely the most likely to succeed. And I had like a series of other Plan Bs, Plan Cs, and other things in my head that I thought like if the first one fails, then I maybe decide to do try uh, to do some freelancing. Maybe I try to do, create a, write an ebook. Maybe I even consider like acquiring a small online business. You know, there's like a market for hundred thousand dollar businesses that are generating I don't know a few thousand dollars a month, and maybe I try to grow it. Like I had like four or five things in my head. Um, and that's what I started doing. I started focusing on building a software business. and I think a bit, a little bit about six months in I had a little bit of a small crisis in my head. I started sort of seeing all the uncertainty uh, in front of me, like, well, what when will I notice when I should shift to plan B, for example? How long should I wait? Will I get some magical signal, right? <laughs> that you know it's time to shift attention to something else? This was making me really uncomfortable. And I sort of started saying, wondering whether I should take a different approach. And I think uh, sort of the approach that I've arrived to, uh, I feel like I should probably have taken from the beginning, beginning, which is sort of fundamentally is the idea of, instead of focusing 100% on one thing, just trying to do a few things in parallel um, and start to optimize for things with uh, sort of high odds of success, even even if sort of the upside is not, even if you're sort of trading off the upside. Right, but just sort of trying to go for the small, sort of safe to fail, <laughs> high odds of success uh, bets,
1: mm-hmm. And maybe um, smaller upfront investment, right?
0: Exactly. Like small in many things. Like Small upfront investment, small effort, small time to, uh, to test and to get feedback about it. Because this is one of the problems I had with my software business. The feedback loop was extremely long. I mean, from the time I get a customer to sign up until they pay, until I realize whether there's momentum. It's like months and probably years, that right, which is very hard when you're trying to tame the uncertainty and on this type of lifestyle, that right? you want something where you're trying different things and sort of you throw away what doesn't work and you keep what works, but you don't want to have to wait months and years because that's a really, little really stressful and makes you even more f- sort of... Um, it's riskier. it's riskier that you could lose this sort of type of arrangement <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah for sure know. yeah because yeah the more you're investing the more you have to then just wait in it, it there's so much more of a waiting yeah. game and the yeah just like you said uncertainty that's the big thing
0: yep, so, exactly
1: um so when you're trying out small bets so mm-hmm. uh maybe just quickly so you have a couple products on gum road that have been small mm-hmm. bets user base yep. is your sort of
0: I'd assume. It was my first attempt, yeah. Which I think, in hindsight, probably I invested too much in it, and I mm-hmm. probably now with my with what I know now, I would probably tackle it differently. Um, but now I sort of managed to position. I think I have managed to reposition it to be sort of still a small bet. It's sort of almost running on its own. It's sort of just baking even in terms of profits and cost. And the future can only bring upsides, right? It's just it's not something that I have to decide whether to give up on it or or shut it down or whatever. Right. it's yeah it's just there
1: (laughs) yeah see i love that i feel like a lot of people have that binary like either it's a wild success or we shut down and start something new and that really like that never spoke to me like i Mm -hmm. i'm much more in line with the small bet (laughs) mentality so when it comes to user base which user base Mm -hmm. is a secure login for static websites correct yeah Yeah. okay so With that, then, what kind of change did you have to make to shift it from maybe a larger bet into a smaller bet?
0: Yeah, I think uh, it was uh, not. Um, I think fundamentally, it was the decision to stop investing in it, right? And then, sort of, uh, it's it changed the product. It basically changed the roadmap a little bit to um, uh, sort of, in terms of cutting scope and figuring out what are the important things. To have in there, sort of, to give it the best odds of uh, catching on. Um, although I, I would say, I st- even when I started, I still it was it wasn't one of those uh, software businesses where I had like g- grand aspirations of it becoming like a you know billion dollar business or whatever. It was always a small business type of attitude that I took. But I think um, eventually I realized that I just uh want to cap my stake in it so i think this is what it's going to be and sort of the feature set ended up becoming uh, determined based based on that <laughs> uh, sort of attitude
1: oh yeah yeah because i mean features can be added pretty much indefinitely for software Exactly. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so when then when he moved on to I don't wanna say moved on because you've mm-hmm. made a lot of small bets along the way. I'm sure some have failed and aren't as yep. publicly known. Um, what were yep. some of the ways that you found sort of what to pursue different opportunity? Because like I'm very much in line, actually I have a quote, I think I have it written mm-hmm. down here. Um, just how opportunity comes from action And you had said, the more things you have going on at the same time, the less you have to be good at predicting what will work, which I think is so on point and something that people might miss, just Mm -hmm. siloing into one area. So how have you approached sort of the new project ideas and where you should focus?
0: Yeah, I think um, so. That was this defining moment, which, it was, which was late in 2019, about a year ago, where I realized that I needed to change something because sort of I had this nagging feeling in my subconscious telling me, you're, you're on a risky journey. And I think the big attitude change was that I just wanted to just do something, uh, I just wanted to do something small, extremely simple that would just increase my confidence. And believe it or not, actually, the very first thing I did wasn't even a business, thing it was pretty much I went looking for some freelancing hours. Basically I thought if, if, because I had already spent like t- 10 months with absolutely no income, just seeing my savings account drop month after month. Mm-hmm. And it was already, even though I had a quite a decent runway, I had like almost five years worth of savings saved, which was I know it's probably quite quite an outlier. But I think it emphasizes even <laughs> how uncomfortable it is to just sort of start seeing sort of the losses accumulate month after month. Oh yeah. So uh, I went looking for just a little bit of freelancing work, and I was lucky. I had a friend of mine who uh, needed some help, and I just took literally just ten hours a month, so not even a week. Like just I was doing like a thousand or two thousand dollars a month, not even covering my monthly expenses, but that was already significant mm-hmm. in sort of helping with the peace of mind. There's a, there's a big difference I feel like from believing that if you needed to fall back to a plan b you could not fall back versus you let it doing plan b right that that changed that that clicked something in me i said wow it sort of feels much much more much better and sort of taming uncertainty and sort of then i then i said okay so all those plan b's plan c's plan d's that i had in mind what if instead of just Thinking of, of them like something that maybe I could do. I just tried to do them right now, <laughs> right? In the simplest way, like the most radical, simplest, easiest way to do them, right? It was by necessity almost, right? I had to um, take a very rootless 80 20 rule, right? Just do the 20% to so try to get the most <laughs> results and feedback. Uh, and the first idea that came to mind, and this was, I, I, have, so I have to say, I was inspired by other, other creators and developers and sort of go trying to do a self-published ebook i had seen a few others that were doing sort of quite well and it, it felt like there was the two extremes again like i knew people who had spent like two years writing a book and spending like nights and weekends and feeling like it was a big slog at the end of it where they spent lots of energy or there was sort of the other camp. Like there were little, just did a brain dump in Word, <laughs> sort of light editing, saved as PDF and uploaded it somewhere and just sort of started accepting money for it. <laughs> and I was definitely much more inclined to the second one. Right? And I then started thinking, like, what could I do? Right? That could sort of, wh- where I could sort of test this experiment. I just um, wanted to see whether it's something that could become viable for me. And look, story short, So I had already been um, uh, growing a little bit of a Twitter audience. Back then, I was tweeting mostly about programming topics when I started because it was the thing that I knew. And I was building user base and sort of my day, daily life was mostly technical <laughs> challenges. Mm-hmm. And I had lots of experience in AWS. I worked there for eight years, even before there, um, I uh, sort of, I had used it myself. So something that I knew very well. And I had already noticed that when I was tweeting about these topics on Twitter, I was getting lots of questions from people asking me more. What do you think about this and that? How do you sort of compare between these two things? I had started to sense the opportunity that people were interested in what I had to say about uh, these things. Uh, so yeah, I chose to give it a shot um, and to risk it even further actually, uh, a friend of mine who used to work at Amazon as well, Left uh, similar story as mine left to sort of take a break from full-time employment. And I reached out to him and I said,, oh, could you, should, shall we do it this together? Um, what do you think? And he agreed, and um, sort of uh, again, like it was just even I could have probably written the book myself, but I think it made it more fun, and again, like the risk the amount of effort we had to put into it. And I think when we when we counted all the hours spent, uh, we, had a little, uh, we had time boxed it. We said, like, we're not going to spend more than um, more than uh, than a month. But I think we ended up spending even less. Probably it was two weeks of full-time effort into it. Basically, we're meeting once once a week uh, in a coffee shop and doing, like, two or three hours of sort of laughing uh, the, the, the outlines together. And then we spent probably 10 days full-time just sort of, again, like, doing this brain dump, some light editing, uh, chose a cover, and that's it—like very scrappy, uh, but focused on information density and just sharing what we knew and what we thought it was going to be use- useful. And yeah, this was probably one of the uh, best bets that I've had like in these couple of years. Like, this book ended up making over a hundred thousand dollars in profit. So I was, and we st- i split it with my co-author. Right, so that was the arrangement. And those, 50-50 those 50-50 numbers, to,
1: like, those numbers for a traditionally published book. Would be just hard, unheard yeah. of, yeah. Absolutely. Especially turning it around like that, which I love this story.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, sort of, and then it inspired me to. Um, I mean, not not only inspired me. Actually, I think the nice thing about sort of this, even this whole small bets ideas is that to me, writing an ebook was my third or fourth preference in my head. But later, now I realize that actually. I really enjoy the whole everything about the info product sort of business. I enjoy creating these kinds of things, promoting them, marketing the whole economy around it. Right <laughs> like like now, I'm even I've, I've even took. Um, Sort of uh, somewhat uh, a weird arrangement that I have with Gumroad where I'm sort of, uh, I'm part of the team now very recently. I don't know if you know the story, but I joined as a head of product in a sort of quarter time. I saw the quarter
1: time. I was going to ask you about that. So yeah, so head of product. So it's like smaller than part time, maybe. So quarter time, Yes, it's,
0: it's about it's about uh 10 hours per week and typically my arrangement is I spend probably an hour a day like just check in see if there's nothing that's blocked on me then I probably spend a few hours on the weekends just arranging things and helping with prioritization and giving clarity to product features which I use the product a lot myself uh, mm-hmm. sort of and I've very engaged in the whole community of creators <laughs> sort of. I hope I think it's working really well with, um, with me bringing my own perspective helping with, uh, with the product side um, but basically I think it's an example of um, a sort of the idea of small bets not only helps diversify sort of your, your, your investments and your business businesses but it also I think helps discovering our own preferences that helps me learn something about myself which was obscure. Like I never considered myself a writer or an author, even a creator. I thought I was a programmer. I like building software. And this sort of showed me another thing that not only was it enjoyable, but sort of, it seems to be a viable uh, opportunity to make a living of. And this also opened more doors down the road, like this Gumroad Gumroad arrangement and probably many other things. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: (laughs) So, then you moved on to your next product. So you, yes. I'm sure with the AWS product, with the with the ebook, you didn't have any sort of um, imposter syndrome because you've been in that world for years. But then the next book you moved on, or next uh, product yeah. is your How to Build a Twitter Audience. So that's something that I find really, I love the different approach you took to creating that, rather than writing the book, sitting down and spending the time to write it making it the, the video course. Did you deal with any, which we can dive into that in a second, but did you deal with any imposter syndrome being that you were relatively new to Twitter, even though at that yeah. point, you had already very much succeeded at Twitter, <laughs> like you did very well?
0: Yeah, I think, I think it's very hard. I don't know if this is a common thing, to be honest, but I think I've, uh, imposter syndrome doesn't really come up when you take this audience first approach, that right? you basically get when I created that second product, I was getting—I'm not exaggerating—multiple questions a day, DMs and emails about um, about basically building an audience, and the and it happened because I was sharing my my performance of my first book, and one of the common questions, and and, and in fact, I attribute most of my sales came from organically through to my Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. So. I was publicly addressing that that question, right? Where where do, where this is coming from? And then sort of this follow-up question was, how did you grow your audience? From, I, I think at the time I had like maybe 15,000 followers in less than a year. Um, people were curious. What did you tweet about? What did you say? What about this and that? Uh, what 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 do you not tweet about? Uh, and so on and so forth. <laughs> so. Um, I was getting so many questions all the time. And every time I post, I was posting something about the topic, maybe answering a question on Reddit or on Twitter, or I was getting lots of engagement. I was seeing people were liking again, like what I had to say about it. So I think it's almost, uh, very hard to feel imposter syndrome when you're getting all all that much (laughs) sort of uh, engagement with what you're saying. So it's almost the opposite. Like it's almost, I think sometimes it can go probably the, the other side. I think, and I'm careful sometimes not to sort of delude myself that I know too much <laughs> <laughs> about something. Um, and I think it can happen, right? It's a risk because, I mean, we, we all sort of see the world sort of from our own anecdotal experiences. And uh, I try to be careful even when I sort of structuring the course to um, not really promote things that I knew nothing about, right, but sort of just wanted to show an approach that worked. And I think this is an interesting uh, sort of uh, idea about inf- the infoproduct businesses in general. There's, there's lots of, I believe, uh, interest and demand for show. I mean, people want to be inspired, right? And they, they are willing to pay 15, 20, 30, or even more dollars just to sort of uh, see something. Uh, I see an approach that worked, and just sort of it, it, it's an opportunity for them to be inspired to either do, do something similar themselves or sort of, um, or, or, you know, follow the same steps and things like that. So, it's sort of how I, how I approached it basically the Twitter course. It was just a few slides, I pressed the chords, I talked over what worked for me, and sort of some of the mistakes I did, and I wasted lots of time doing these that people didn't care about and sort of how I managed to gain credibility and uh, how I managed to get, get engagement, you know, by answering pretty much every question that I got. And I gave lots of examples, which I think the video format worked with really well. <laughs> and um, um, and and yeah, it worked. I mean, this product is approaching $200,000 in sales now. And uh, um, uh, I released it in April, so yeah, this is eight months roughly. It's it's quite incredible, and uh, oh, to be yeah. honest, I'm still su- I'm still surprised <laughs> how still <laughs> doing you know three hundred four hundred dollars a day, um, and to be honest, I, I so I'm su- I'm surprised, and in fact, sort of, um, uh, uh, it's important to not. F- I'm sure it won't keep on forever, but this mm. looks like there's this momentum of word of mouth that's coming from somewhere <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that uh, I don't know what it is. <laughs> uh huh. I actually <laughs> I so wanted.
1: I wanted to ask you about that a little bit because you are very deliberate not to be promoting it. I mean, you you do you do your income reports and um maybe some other smaller promotion just saying that it it exists, but you're very conscious not to not to focus on the sell more than the give. And but you've still seen amazing results. So I was actually curious, do you like what you attribute to those consistent yeah. results?
0: Um I think um so I do try to sell occasionally, and uh, I make it like you know, for example, there was Black Friday and Cyber Monday this week. I did give an offers like almost everyone does, and it did, mm-hmm. it did really well again, like exceed my expectations. I think I made over twenty thousand dollars in the sort of cyber Monday um, uh, almost as good as my launch week, which was quite quite incredible um, and um, uh, it's uh, to be honest, I don't know like I think I feel like probably I could tweet about it right now, right? And maybe generate a couple of thousand dollars in sales. Um, but I think there's always a question in my head whether they would have come anyway. And I'm not, I'm not sure yet. So I think it's like many creators, I face the dilemma of not wanting to be too, you know, that, you know I don't want, I consider my Twitter timeline to be a big asset that I have. right? Like, I mean, people are giving me the attention. I don't take it for granted. I'm sure that people don't want to just be sort of see me just promoting my stuff every day, especially since there's many that have already bought it so it's just noise then where right? they they just don't care um so basically, I think the way I'm approaching promotion is that uh I'd try to find i'd say to wait until I find a creative way to promote something so sometimes occasionally like roughly about once every two months sort of i'm have I, I get some some idea of how I can sort of promote something while promote my product while sort of trying to be creative about it, like trying to even um, share something of value with uh, you know, so it's like maybe something that I, you know, a tidbit from the from the product itself or something like that. Um, and I think those work well because I think even people who have already seen they bought the product sometimes, like do they get a reminder of something that's in the course? So again, like it's it's an art, right? I think more than sort of a science. And Mm -hmm. uh, to be honest, I think there's lots more even for me to to, to get good at this. It's just sometimes just, you know, I get like an idea and I feel like, it's a gut feel, I feel like this might be a good uh, tweet to send out. (laughs) Um, And I think even the timing matters, right? I'm very cognizant to try to not to, if I had already done something similar, I might not do it. But If it's been a long time since I I did and maybe sales are sending down, I think it might uh, trigger something in my head to start exploring (laughs) what can I do about it. This is actually, I tweeted about this recently. I think this is one of the interesting phenomenon of variable income. It's sort of when you start seeing, uh, you know, your income zopping, I think something lights up in you to try to, you know, you get more creative (laughs) Uh (laughs) to to find a way. It's like the fisherman who's, who's sort of, fishing in a place and not catching any fish right Uh, sort of it it sort of triggers you it's like almost forces you to go look somewhere else
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean that that's a really good point because you're getting sort of that dopamine hit like oh this is working this is going well and then you see it maybe taper off it's not working as well and then yeah you just kick in the high gear you know you know that it's time to jump in
0: it makes you it makes you um i think it uh, like it makes you smarter actually like the variability makes you more creative makes you um, sort of not take anything for granted because you know that it's, it's, it's almost the opposite of the steady paycheck. Like the steady paycheck has sort of the completely opposite qualities is that whether you do an excellent job or a bad job or whether you're delivering value or not, it goes from either steady to potentially, you know, if you get fired, you go to zero. <laughs> That's very binary from 100% to zero <laughs> yeah. for, most, for most jobs, right? Uh, whereas... Uh, this is just more more random more unpredictable uh, but um, obviously it correlates much more with what you do right so uh, it's it's, uh, it's very interesting I think something that people find it's hard to believe is that I think I almost uh, it's sort of I think it's the, the variability of income uh, paradoxically I think it helps with peace of mind believe it or not I think this is something really hard to explain I think it's just the Uh, Once you start getting good at sort of uh, figuring out uh, how to fend for yourself and how to sort of manage to, uh, you know, get earn earn money, regardless of all the randomness that's happening, Mm -hmm. it's sort of even more, I think, it it feels even more safer than just having a regular nine to to five job that, you know, (laughs) it could oh, yeah. disappear or you know you might not find another one like it and things like that so it's sort of
1: <laughs> yeah you know that you're resilient you know that exactly you're self-reliant right. you're able to deal with the next inevitable hurdle like whether we have a day job or we're on our own there are these stumbling blocks that we just Absolutely. we're going to face and yeah i'm totally on board with that i think i think self-reliance is something that isn't sort of I think that's one of the things one of the problems maybe with the education system Mm -hmm. is we're not educating people on the self-reliance it's sort of that still like factory trajectory of oh you Mm -hmm. you go to school you get a job and you you sit and stand when you're told kind of thing it's just a very different mentality but yeah i'm completely on board because even when we've made i mean because we've been doing this now for over a decade and um, when entrepreneurship, the more comfortable we get, the less creative I do. Like Thinking back now, now that you say that, the less creative I do feel. So we're not really experimenting, pushing boundaries when things get a little too comfortable. And it's not too much money. Yes. It's just steady is the thing. Steady,
0: exactly. stability, yeah, so, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so just to rewind to the Twitter course just mm-hmm. for, a sec- for a second, yeah. how much upfront... Um, preparation did you do because you had the slides and you recorded a 90 minute a 90 minute course and now that course has gone on to like over two days i believe you recorded it but it went on to make a couple hundred thousand dollars so what was that investment of time
0: that was that was even more extreme i would say and i I, and part of it was intentional part of it was just the nature of the of the of the format but I, i i tried to uh, I again, like it was part of an experiment for me, just for my own almost uh, amusement to try to see how much I can <laughs> uh, uh, sort of uh, put the least amount of effort and try to make it work, like just extreme. Like, it's the again. You're <laughs> but, optimizing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think. I think. Um, yeah, and, and 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 sort of, I, I didn't necessarily want to over-optimize again, like, but it's just sort I wanted to. Uh, just uh, not waste time on anything that didn't directly affect my sales right so i spent very little time polishing and editing i think i counted the hours it was i believe just 16 hours pretty much spread over i think three days from literally zero to the to the product on market i spent i think uh maybe four or five hours on the first day preparing the slides then i spent the next day recording um and uh, i didn't i initially i wanted to do within one take Um, uh, But I ended up breaking it up in about eight segments of record like 10 minutes each. And I think the problem was that I rehearsed it so little (laughs) that as I was sort of uh, talking about it, I wished to remember something that I should have mentioned. So I think breaking it up helped me uh, with sort of, you know, just rehearsing a little bit just before I start (laughs) Uh the next segment. And then I spent the third day uh, sort of preparing the, the gum notes product, choosing the price sort of writing the description and preparing an email for my newsletter and things like that. So, so yeah, no, it's, it's extreme uh, sort of extremely high ROI. I mean, this is one of the fascinating things about this type of, of business that right? you can put mm-hmm. a few hours in um, uh, e- e- even if, you, even if you, it's not as extreme as this one, right? But so the the upside can make it such that it's um, it's it's very high high I, I don't know why yeah because they're scalable they're one time products so I think one of the on the other hand like one of the obviously one of the downsides is that unlike a software as a service business you have sort of this um, uh, sort of curve on the chart it's almost like any I I, I was looking like recently I saw a chart of like Beyoncé sales and this followed a very similar pattern uh-huh. <laughs> as mine. that right? There's like a big spike on launch day and then sort of they it goes down until you launch something new. And I think sort of this is the nature of this type of business as well. Right. And uh, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. <laughs> so and it makes sense because you're you're satisfying what the customers want and those customers then would be looking for Ooh. My cat just jumped on a thing that was not solid. So sorry about that. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, you satisfy what the customer is looking for. They're sticking around with you. But until you make that next product, you're not making the recurring sales. But yeah, I just, I think that story is so inspiring because people, I think I think we sort of have um, a very binary outlook on a lot of things that either mm-hmm. like say something is luck or something is, so much hard work that like I could never do that. Where I think that that is such a gray, like, like I think doing and creating these things creates the opportunities that people see as luck, but identifying opportunities and running with them is really where it comes down yeah. to. So I think the story of like how you did this and how you, you built the credibility, you built your, mm-hmm. the credibility in the space and then invested that into a product so even though it only took you 16 hours, it took you a year or a year and a couple months to, to get to the point where you could create that product. And yeah. sort of on that note, I want to talk a little bit about c- credibility because mm-hmm. I think that's something that that people miss and that you have mm-hmm. really nailed. Like you've, you've sort of figured out, I almost say to say the formula for credibility, but you started, <laughs> like you said, from the very beginning, from the ground floor. And I just, I really appreciate your approach to it.
0: Yeah, uh, I think I stumbled, to be honest, into this. Basically, uh, something that we didn't talk about and wasn't very important, I think it turned out to be very important is that um, the very first week after I left my job, I sat home here (laughs) at my desk. And uh, initially I thought I was just going to start prototyping and building something. And then again, like pretty much media, I had like this, uh, oh, I had my first crisis <laughs> where well, I started imagining myself spending months or years building something and I put it out there and then nobody comes or, you know, just nobody sees it and <laughs> then what? <laughs> so um, I wanted to, I, I realized that outside of the companies that I had worked on before, it was completely unknown, right? Nobody knew about me. I had never done anything public before, no social media. No open source nothing uh, and i basically i started I, I immediately realized that i wanted to fix that that right? i wanted to have a bit more control over my destiny in terms of having a little bit of attention um so uh and i, I started from very little experience like right? again like so I, I started experimenting initially i thought i was just going to write maybe long form blog posts about technical content because it's what i knew um and um, Uh, But again, like I wanted to try to find something very quick (laughs) to try to sort of test my attention, sort of grabbing (laughs) uh, capabilities. And the the very first thing that I thought about that might be interesting to other people was actually the story about why I just left the job like the week before. And the inspiration of it came actually from, you know, I had spent the previous week explaining to my colleagues who had knew, knew me there for years <laughs> why I was leaving. And many of them were quite shocked. Like when I was, when I set up time with them to tell them I was leaving, they thought I was going to tell them I'm getting promoted or I'm becoming a manager or something like that. They were <laughs> quite surprised. <laughs> so um, it, it, the, the reactions sort of told me, right? And all the questions that you asked me and all the time we spent talking about things that you know if these 10-15 people at work were interested about the story maybe you know the internet will help me find a few thousand more people <laughs> that might find this fascinating so uh, i think it was the third day uh, sort of in my new journey right and i decided i'm going to just write it up i spent a day writing up this blog post where i left you know, my my job to work for myself and um, I shared it on the usual places, Reddit, Hacker News and the Hackers, the usual forum where there's like a um, group of people hanging around, like looking for inspiration. <laughs> and it did really well. Like basically, um, I, I wrote about my motivation and why sort of the career as full-time employment, despite succeeding by pretty much every traditional metric, I was getting highly compensated, getting promoted, doing really well. I chose like to give up, give up on that and do something different. And yeah, it's resonated with lots of people. And this got me my first few hundred followers on Twitter. I think the first day went from zero to 600. And then, like, over the rest of the week, uh, it kept going around. A little bit got me I think, um, up to 2000 followers, pretty much mostly stemming from that, from that post.
1: But how you um, used it as well, because didn't you end it with a call to action to follow?
0: Yes, which I, which was very I think turned out to be very important to not just um, you know give something to people but it invited people to just follow along right and mm-hmm. many people I think followed again like either I think many people follow especially when you're unknown, people follow you if they believe they can get it sounds harsh but people follow you if they believe they're going to get something out of you mm-hmm. and typically this is either inspiration or some lesson, like they almost need to feel like they would be missing out if they don't follow you. And I think that's that's very important initially. I think as, as eventually people will start following for other reasons. Sometimes they're just curious. Sometimes it's a story they've been following for a long time. And they're just curious about how it's going to unfold. So it's not necessarily always self-interest. But initially, it's almost always is. So it's good to sort of, when you're just making yourself known, I think, to just Sort of uh, pitch to people like follow me, you know, f- because you're going to get something right <laughs> <like, laughs> uh, out of it. And it was mostly people who were probably in a similar situation, right? Like, that they felt they're um, they're demotivated in their current job, and they said, look, let's follow this guy to see what he'll end up doing. Maybe we'll learn something. <laughs> so long story short, I tried a few things, and I tried actually. Uh, writing a few other blog posts, they didn't do it as well. I tried to do some open source as well. I spent my first month trying uh, out some software, um, sort of uh, not, not, not that well. And then I started to gravitate more towards Twitter. And even Twitter was a bit sort of rough initially. I was talking about lots of random things. And I realized that, um, you know, you can tweet about anything you want and you can talk about anything. But I think I realized very quickly that people will only listen if you have earned some credibility on what you're talking about. Like, I, I, I'm i quite interested in health and fitness and sports and other things, but people don't know me about those topics. And if I were to tweet something about nutrition, people will say, well, who, is, who are you to, <laughs> to, to speak about this? Like, I have no credibility on the topic. I haven't earned it yet. But I realized when I was talking about things like um, you know, leaving the red place or setting up yourself, uh, you know, for for self-employment. I was talking about quite, quite mundane things like getting health insurance and life insurance and setting up a business bank account, basic sort of mechanical things, but people were really liking these things. Right? There, mm-hmm. there were, um, um, I was sort of realizing that uh, what I should talk about should be probably at the intersection between What interests me, what interests my audience, and what I have credibility on—it's sort of that those three Venn diagrams that their intersection is probably the sweet spot Uh of what I should be talking about, tweeting, or blogging, or whatever. Um, So yeah, super super important. I think sort of the 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 approach to building an audience—the the the most fundamental thing is that you need to build some credibility in some sense, and you know this is. Uh, the pe- people who sell health and fitness products knew this forever right they start with the before and after picture or yeah. some type of story where here's how i was and here's how i am now and i think um you you need to do something of that sort not necessarily um, exactly like that right? but you know you can gain credibility by you know building a, a business like for example right now i have credibility in the, in the info product business mostly because i've I've done it myself. I share a lot about it. Right? And I answer people's questions almost everyone that I get. Right? so people start to think about you when they think about. Uh, I don't have all the answers, obviously. Right, and I make oh, yeah. it super clear. <laughs> and when people ask me questions, many times I start with, you know, there's probably an infinite amount of ways how to do this, but here's what what I what's worked for me. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, it was fascinating. I think uh, uh, this. Um, I did an experiment back in March uh, when, the, when the pandemic started and like advertising rates were going down. I did a, a little bit of a paid ads experiment with my info products. And again, like I had absolutely no experience before that. And I started tweeting a little bit about my experience and you know learning pretty much on as, as I went and taking screenshots. <laughs> and it was really eye-opening how much, again, I went from zero experience with paid ads to posting a couple of screenshots on Twitter to like getting almost inundated with questions about, you know, what do you think about this and that, should I (laughs) say Google ads or Facebook ads or what? (laughs) It's like you can gain credibility just by having some skin in the game, being willing to, um, to, to share a glimpse from behind the scenes like I, I, I'm probably, i probably, I, I would be fooling everyone if I claimed that I was some sort of expert on pay debts. I just literally spent, I had <laughs> just spent maybe $200 <laughs> doing a couple of experiments. But I think it's sort of, it's interesting how um, how much you can gain credibility by just having some skin in game and being a bit transparent. Sort of that's, that's almost all you need, right? And uh, as long as, you, you're you're genuinely transparent. I'm not trying to sort of hide something or spinning, it's, uh, you know, putting some spin on 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 what you're trying to say. Um, um, it's uh, it, it's sort of it's really it's a good way, right? Of yeah, getting I, th-
1: I think sometimes it's even better to only be a few steps ahead of the people you're speaking to, because. You have just done this. So, like you yeah. like saying with the ads, I mean, someone who wants to get into ads, talking to someone who's been doing it for a decade. A very good point. Yeah. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's just, it's, there's so much further down the line. So that they don't, I don't relate to that, but I relate yes. to Daniel because he did this three days ago. And now, okay, we're Absolutely. both growing together, but you're still the, you're the teacher because you are the one a yeah. few steps ahead. You're, you're one chapter in the book ahead of your class. Kind of that.
0: Absolutely. Notion. And I think this is a good answer to the question of, like, uh, many people tell me, like I feel like I'm not an, not an expert in anything, right? And, you know, how how can I build credibility? Like if I haven't been doing this for 10 years or something. That's, that's a good an answer. Idea. Like this is, I, in fact, I've I've noticed recently there's been lots of great accounts on Twitter who's like mostly uh, learning in public, like they call it, right? It's like this trend where they're just figuring things out and sharing what they're, what they're learning and they gain like huge followers like huge amount of following because they resonate a lot with many pe- people that are in the same situation they aspire to become developers like they're mo- most, most mostly young people trying to become uh good programmers and they're just mm-hmm. and, and and i realized like when people ask me about how do you get into tech i struggled to answer that question because i started my career 18 years ago like things <laughs> have changed a lot i've I forget what's important um, and um, so yeah it's sort of it is why this sort of I called my Twitter course everyone can build a Twitter Raw audience and um, it's a bit I will I, probably admit right, it's sort of uh, intentionally ex- probably exaggerated a bit but but not that much right because I really believe that even if you're just starting out life even if you're just a 16 year old we just only want to live like college experience or not even yet not even like just high school experience and you know there's probably something interesting about your perspective that will likely attract uh, a following on the internet that's one of the nice things about the internet right it's like all the small niches or all, all the experiences um, um people are just you know, scrolling on their phone, waiting to sort of see something interesting, <laughs> right? Yeah. And you can sort of uh, go in and fill up that that need if you have if you have something that you're willing to share, right? And there's so much that's not shared. Like there's so much, so many things that I would love to know, you know, that people are not sharing. Right? About millions of things. it's <laughs> oh, yeah. that's all opportunity. Like if you have that insight, if you've lived that experience, so that if you can go in and share and and gain gain a following now. Now, depending, I think on the on the topic and category, you could gain hundreds of thousands, or so you gain a few thousands. But it's still right sort of it's it's um, the numbers almost don't matter. Right? It's sort of. I think if you sort of have a, you know, a decent size audience, you could you have attention it allows you to do things. It gives you many options.
1: Yeah, and a lot of that comes down to the documenting. So you're not even it's not even like creating. You're documenting what right. you're doing to connect with people. And yep. so for you then, how do you um how do you see drawing the line between documenting something that's going to help the audience mm-hmm. versus um like maybe on Instagram, like documenting being like mm-hmm. Like people who wear outfits yeah. and things, like, oh, this is what I'm wearing today, which doesn't have like the value. Maybe, maybe for some, maybe I just don't yeah. <laughs> get that. But yeah, I feel like it can be sort of self-aggrandizing documenting <laughs> versus documenting for others. Have you have you considered yeah, yeah. sort no, of no, no, I, I, I think
0: I think uh, it's it's a good test. Pretty much, I used in the beginning, I used to almost I almost form the habit where I used to spend like 15 minutes a day trying to reflect on what happened, to try to see what happened during the, during the day that uh, other people might find interesting. And they used to sort of start thinking about, again, like sometimes even the most mundane things, like I registered a trademark or I did this, or I tried that, like I take a screenshot. Nowadays, I think the, the, the process became so ingrained in my life that almost as soon as something happens, I almost immediately recognize that this would be, uh, my Twitter followers would find it interesting. right? So I take a screenshot or I say something about it. And most of the times, the inspiration comes from either I bump into something that I'm just doing, going on with my day and uh, just, you know, uh, bump into something interesting, or else it's just a conversation like I'm having with you. Like you ask me a question and I I realize that my answer might be something that my audience would find interesting. Sometimes I'm reading an article or reading a book and I realize, you know, it's an interesting thing to convey. Um, But yeah, the most, I think the most interesting are like, for example the tweets that you mentioned about uh, building the house in the forest that i was just preparing my own just for my own <laughs> interest just to figure out how much i've spent so far that sort of because i my sort of I, I i knew it was around ten thousand, but i didn't know if it was much different <laughs> and um as i was doing it in my sort of apple notes app i thought well maybe people on the internet might it's its not something that i've been tweeting about a not like just you know building a custom house but um uh, uh, it's it's uh, it's this is one of those things, where it's nice to test and see whether you know people are interested, and it sort of fits a little bit in my theme of um, you know designing your own life lifestyle and um, sort of just sharing something that might be useful. Of course, it's not going to be useful to everyone, um, but I try to be careful that you not. Um, um, and this is one of the problems with Twitter as a medium, like right? because when you have fifty thousand followers, it's almost impossible to obviously uh, be useful or interesting to everyone Mm -hmm. and so and this this is one of the reasons why i chose to create an instagram account just to sort of separate a little bit like so that i'm not like posting photos every day like of of, you know the the, the, the sort of the house coming up or whatever (laughs) there would be some (laughs) another place
1: (laughs) yeah and i really like that because like i mentioned it is you have two sort of I don't wanna say silos, but there's very dis- they're very distinct offerings between Twitter and Instagram, so people know what to expect. And I feel like that's, in terms of any social media platform, that can be one of the mistakes people make, is not sort of setting those expectations and knowing, even for themselves, what is it yeah. that I'm offering? Um, what so, are some yeah. other mistakes um, that you see people make on Twitter, or maybe that you made early on that you, in retrospect, mm-hmm. wouldn't do
0: again? So on this topic in particular, I think some people take it too far. Right? They become too obsessed that their Twitter is going to be about one single thing and they sometimes they start with, you know, literally start with the idea of it's going to be only about this thing. I, th- I think actually, um, in my case, for example, I change, if you were to look about my tweets from a year ago or even before, very, very different. Right? And the, the, it changed based on what I happens to be doing at that time. <laughs> And I probably lost followers because of this. I, I'm sure I had lots of lots of developers following me uh, 18 months ago who were interested in my tweets about uh, AWS, which probably got bored about hearing <laughs> about you know, info products or sort of marketing or lifestyles or whatever, and then followed. But I think it's very hard to keep tweeting about something you're not experiencing or to keep talking about something you're not experiencing right now, which is w- one of the reasons why I stopped almost talking about programming topics I, I'm not programming a lot at the moment mm-hmm. uh, almost nothing actually it would be maximally forced to keep doing that um, so that's why I think it's sort of important to find this intersection of what I'm doing right now and sort of what uh, might interest the audience and you're making a guess there obviously right so um, um, uh, so. but I think if I were to generalize the idea I think it's good to, to it's definitely uh, important to have interesting things in your life happening, <laughs> because it's hard to be interesting on Twitter <laughs> if you're not interested, interesting in real life. Oh, you don't have something interesting. And there's not a huge bar for something interesting. But again, like it's what you what you choose to what you choose to share. Like as I was explaining before, like even just setting up business accounts and getting health insurance, very boring things. Just because there's lots of lack of information online, people who are expecting to do those things find them extremely interesting, right? And yeah, and social media gives people the ability to ask questions and they get answers, that right? it's really good. So um, I think the general advice is to start with what you're doing, right? Um, and try to see and try to sort of articulate what you're doing, summarize it as cons- in a concise form into what might be what you think you would have uh, enjoyed seeing if the if the situations were reversed, that right? Or where you didn't have this information. And this is a little bit about how, I, how I'm approaching the building a house project. Like I, there, there's so much that of information about what's necessarily the costs involved that just sharing these sort of small summaries <laughs> um, uh, of condensed information, I think people are finding they're very, very useful. Uh, so yeah sort of start with what you're doing, uh, filter out things that you think, I mean filter only things that you think might be interesting to other people. I think it's okay for your topic to adapt over time. I think sometimes it's even okay to have a couple of things even. Again I don't think it's that important to just be strict on one thing but you, well, you I think you pretty much play it by ear. Sometimes I post about something I realize that there's not much interest and you know uh, it guides me to uh you know post less about it right or 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 not do it at all right there's not much harm to experiment (laughs) so (laughs) for sure uh,
1: and i think that uh, that is a great point finding the intersection of the venn diagram because that's how people connect with you so it isn't like i like the thought of a premise and this is the premise Mm -hmm. of what i'm offering but if like you said if you stay in that lane it's really it, you can't just have this one track that you can follow yeah. on. So I think, I think that's all wonderful advice. And I think that's a great note to wrap on. I really appreciate you <laughs> taking the time out here. Um, where should we send people to check out all your stuff?
0: Probably the best place is Twitter at divasallo D-V-A-S-S-A-L-L-O. It's pretty much where uh, it's the my platform of choice. I tweet the, the once or twice every day, a little glimpse out of my life. <laughs> and uh, there's, I think, on Twitter, there's the link to my Instagram as well for who wants to follow my <laughs> house in the in the forest project.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure, awesome. Well, thank you again. All those all the links will be in the show notes for this episode, and um, I really appreciate your time. Hope you cool. enjoy the That's rest fun. of your day. Thanks for
0: having me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> See
1: ya. Awesome. I want to thank Daniel for joining me on this episode. Be sure to check out everything he's up to at dvasalo on Twitter. From there, you'll find links to everything he's up to, and also you'll find all of his links in the show notes. That's dvassalo. As always, this episode of Starting Now is brought to you by Built. Built is our platform for helping you get started online. Whether you want to start a blog or a business, head on over to built.co. That's B Y L T dot CO to get started. Built, your website built for you simply finally if you enjoyed this episode be sure to subscribe it's on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you're listening right now there is also a video version on youtube which is my favorite version so if you check it out let me know what you think give it a little thumbs up and a subscribe over there because that's really uh my favorite part of this show is working on the video shooting it a little a little differently instead of just two talking heads. So proud of that one. So, if you check it out, let me know what you think. And that'll do it again for this week. Again, I'm Jeff Saris. This has been started now, and I will see you next time.